0: Welcome to The Wondering Mind, a podcast where we have candid conversations in hopes to break mental health stigmas and normalize speaking up about our mental health. Through this podcast, we will connect you to a diverse range of folks from all around the world who have struggled with their mental health but have learned to weather through the storm. By listening to their stories, you may begin to feel empowered, less alone. And you may discover new ways that will help you navigate through your own mental health struggles. So sit back, relax, and remember, everyone's story matters. Welcome to the Wondering Mind podcast. I'm your host. Emily Elizabeth. Joining me today, I don't just have any guest, y'all. No, no, no. I have Brian Liggins in the building with me, the man, the myth, the legend himself, marketing strategist, branding expert. He actually did my, well, is doing my Wondering Mind website. He did our MindFest website. He did the Presley post. You do a lot of things, and I'm so excited you're here. So welcome.
1: Oh, thank you for having me. I'm I'm super excited to be here. I'm super excited to be here.
0: Absolutely. It was funny because we were kind of just chatting a few weeks ago during a like a branding session and you just started sharing some of your story and I was like, dude, I was like, this is wild. Do you want to do you want to maybe share this on my on my podcast? And you were like, oh, hell yeah.
1: Right. I was like, I didn't even think like, We were just like you said, we were just talking and it's something that, you know, I've talked about before with people, but it's not I never really looked at it from a mental health standpoint. And that's because Mm -hmm. um, like, you know, and that's the like I'm glad there's so many people like uh, like you and, you know, the people that was involved with the manifest that are um, that are like out there that are like taking, you know, kind of breaking that stigma against mental health, because like. It, it, it's the way that it's looked at is why it's not perceived as mental health. But I mean, literally like as an adolescent and all throughout my life, this is something that really affected me mentally.
0: Yep, exactly. It's all about perspective and shifting that perspective from making it seem like it's something else to actually recognizing that we all have minds and that is what controls literally everything we do and if our minds aren't in the right headspace then it's really hard for us to do much of anything and that's why I'm really excited to share to kind of like walk through your story a little bit today because you know people look at you now and they're like wow he's a really successful entrepreneur he's got his shit together he's killing the game he's branding expert but nobody really understands like how far you've come and how hard it was for you to get to where you are and the challenges you've had to overcome mentally due to like the environment that you grew up in and how much that played a role. So let's just kind of start from the beginning and walk people through what you now recognize as your mental health journey and just kind of share, you know, what it was like growing up in an environment that was not really conducive to a child or an adolescent.
1: Born in 89, so I may, I may, even though I'm an 80s baby, I basically was raised in the 90s, right? And yes. um, the 90s, you know, I spent a lot of in in those days, there wasn't a lot of internet, of course, you know, that was sort of new, but I was already in the 90s. I like, you know, I can remember being very attached to like. The digital realm, like I was, so I knew I was going in that direction at some point. But you know, we're talking about Windows ninety four, <laughs> you know, so like <laughs> I can remember, old school shit. Yeah, like this is how far back. Like I, I've been using like technology, but there wasn't, of course, there wasn't like Google, there wasn't like any of these things. And you know, a lot of we spent a lot of time. We spent way more time outside. We spent mm-hmm. way more time with our family. Uh, my fam, like my family, was very tight knitted um and i have a very big family especially on my father's side that's you know it's it's a very large family we have a lot of like my my grandparents had like five or six kids and then had like 15 grandchildren and then there was like great great grandchildren that was like you know that like surpasses those numbers so it's just insane how big the family is just within <laughs> the last couple of generations but uh, that being said on with you know growing with my 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 father's side of the family was very what I call um uh there's a there's a there's a spectrum of like what I call hood and bougie right mm-hmm. and on one on one far side which is my family my father's side it's very it's very hood on that side very street you know street culture is is, is fairly accepted across the board most of the men and my on my father's side, adopted street culture and it was like you are supposed to be this way you know you were going to live this way otherwise you wouldn't you wouldn't player enough you wouldn't you wouldn't you know you wouldn't thug enough or you wouldn't you weren't man enough I mean it really translated to are you man enough if you didn't buy into some of these things you know and then on my mother's side it was like you know that's the that's the the, the, the side that like wanted to be Uh, super bougie on that end, you know, even though they grew up in the same, they were in the same areas. Like, my families didn't live far from each other in West Louisville. Both families were on the west end of town, but it was just the way that they carried themselves very differently. So, you know, which opposites attract, you know, my mother and my father being maybe opposites and then attracting to, being attracted to one another, right? So, but for me, it was like, I grew up with both you know being tight-knitted with both families so it was like I never I could never find myself fitting into either side because I was either super you know when I was with my mother's side it was like oh here's the the thug here's the um he's gonna be in jail you know there was all this all these things like my mother my my name is Brian but my my original name my mother wanted to name me after my father his name is James so my name would have been James his James Irvin. Uh, I'm not sure if she, if my middle name would have been Irvin, but I know that my first name would have been James. But like my grandmother, my mother's mother was like, if you name that baby after him, I won't accept him as my grandchild, right? Like this is the kind of like, wow, that was you know like the um what is it the 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 classic of uh...
0: oh like the West Side Story like.
1: Yeah. Family um, feuding like. Exactly. You know, like that, uh, that, that, that type of stuff, the Shakespeare, like, uh, you know, Romeo and Juliet, the family's being completely different and saying, Mm -hmm. Oh, we don't accept the other side. So, Mm -hmm. you know, my mother had to deal with a lot and I'm sure that did a lot for her mentally, you know, but, um, but with that being said, um, yeah. So like, that's the kind of like relationship my family's had with one another. So that's how they would look at me on my mother's side. They're like, Oh, Here comes him, you know, Uh, and so even though she didn't name me James, it was, we were still treated like me and my sister, we were still treated like black sheep on my mother's side. Mm -hmm. And then um, on my father's side, even though we were more accepted, uh, because those, you know, people, you know, people who are, that live, like maybe they might be on the far scale of what we might call ratchet or hood or whatever, those people typically tend to be more down to earth and less stuck up. So they were more accepting, but at the same time, it was like, you know, I wasn't in as much trouble as everybody else. I didn't, I didn't, you know, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't do a lot of the things that a lot of the people in my family did, you know. And it was just kind of like, well, why isn't Brian doing these things? You know what I'm saying? We do these things. We listen to this music all the time, you know. And instead of being like this, this thug in the street type of vibe, you know, I had this like, uh, Rafiki type of vibe where it was like the one, there was certain members of my family who would come to me and be like, uh, you know, for advice and wisdom and they're just like, Man, you, you got your shit together. But still on the same time at the same time it was like I didn't fit in either side. I can't as like I was like right in the middle. And I guess that's a result of being able to see the true differences and realizing that we live inside of things called paradigms and and these paradigms are invisible structures that, you know, that affect the way we think. But we don't have to like let them control us, right? Once you realize that it's just a paradigm and that was part of me, I was able to realize it was a paradigm because I was able to see two different sides and realize that here goes how some people live and here goes how other people live. And I, I I don't have to live either way, you know, of these sides and there's and there's ways that people live that have nothing to do with either side. So I just was I was able to like really open up my mind to that. But it took a lot of like mental clarity. As, a, as, a, as an adolescent, you know, as a kid, where well, you have no control over your time, you know, you have to go wherever your parents take you, you have to be wherever they are at the time and that type of stuff. So it just, in the midst of the storm, it took a lot of mental clarity to kind of keep myself from falling into something that I didn't want to be just because I was always around uh, these type of, as uh, these different environments, you know.
0: It's pretty, insane that you as a teenager or even as a kid or a young adult rather like all of that that whole time frame that whole period of your life where you still had your parents you know basically in control of you like to not fall to one side or the other and in particular it sounds like with your dad's side and that whole system of being involved in stuff that most people don't want to be involved in but they feel like it's their only option Mm -hmm. and it's really hard for a lot of people to look at it the way that you did where you had enough self-awareness I guess or Mm -hmm. you were able to somehow step back and look at both worlds and be like I don't have to choose I don't have to be a part of either and that's pretty remarkable because as a kid I feel like you feel as though you have to pick a side and Mm -hmm. usually it ends up being the the worst case scenario because you were like well you want to be accepted by your dad and you want your peers to like you and you don't want to feel like the black sheep you want to fit in and just make a name for yourself and so I, I recognize that you were able to take that perspective and and take a step back but how like when you made that decision where you didn't have to choose you could be your own person you had your own identity and you liked what you liked like how were you able to stay that path instead of straying or swaying and being like persuaded to do something you didn't want to do
1: Okay. Yeah. So this is where it gets juicy. Cause it's like, um, <laughs> that's actually like some things that I actually caught wind of that made that I, that made sense. Like it, and when I go back and I think it through, like I was, yeah. when I first started this, I was like, um, I was talking about like the computer being there, but not being mm-hmm. completely like our world evolves around digital devices now, where then it was just kind of like, yeah. you know, you might use Microsoft word or whatever, but that <laughs> early being early on, like, I mean, I was using my computer for like crazy stuff. Like I was a huge wrestling fan, right? So I had (laughs) like all the intros, like all the videos, all the music. And like, I had like a a wrestling ring and like, I had like little wrestling men. And I was literally like, I literally like, the other thing about me was I was an artist all of my life. Mm -hmm. So I, you know, I feel like one, one key thing to to being able to find that mental clarity is having either like a purpose or a skill which could be both like your skill could be your purpose but being like living purposely and 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 being like having maybe having a skill that occupies your time because like even though like wrestling wasn't my skill i it was other things that i was doing that 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 um that went along with it like the creative side i was showing my creative side and that's why i was like i was going to come back to the fact that my name is brian because when I did research into the name Brian, uh, when you actually break down it, the, the well, there's a, there's a study into the, the way that words create luminescence or light. Like when we speak, you know, we, we create tones and vibrations and light even, you know, and when we create those things they come from a deeper, and I don't want to go too far into this because this is like really metaphysical and it goes like really deep, but it's a, it's a huge rabbit hole. But that being said, the name Brian comes from the Kabbalah, which is a spiritual thing. It's like the world, the tree of life. And there's a, there's a world of the world of creation is Byra. So Brian comes from the word Byra, and it has the same Uh, luminescence when spoken so when someone speaks the name Brian they're actually literally giving me the energy to create right so it's like there's divine intervention you know I'm saying that that comes along with some of this as well so like um there's studies that say that like there's, there's nothing by chance like the fact that my name was Brian was already was already decided whether someone's religious or not this has nothing to do with religion that my name would be Brian somebody decided that um the stars decided to have you and look at it before I was actually born. So that's, it's not just the fact that my, my grandmother was like, I won't accept him, but it was just like, things led in the real world to that happening, right? But that creative side of me, like with the wrestling ring, I would like, I actually took like poster board and I would draw like the titan trine, right? So like, I would spend a lot of my time like building and creating with household stuff, and I like, so when, when somebody might just have a wrestling ring, I had like, the wrestling ring, I had the Titan Tron. I went on my computer and made sure I had all the music and videos. And I was just like really occupying my time with being creative. I had, as an artist from the arts perspective, I was like, I was in art classes very early, very young. Like in the third grade, I was already selling art to out of museums. Like I had art displayed in the Water Tower Art Museum. And it was like places like Cozer Hospital were buying uh, my pieces. So not that like I saw any money or anything like that, like it didn't make me rich or I don't even know like if they, you know, where that money went, to be honest, because there was a lot of stuff that I was involved with when I was young. That was just like, you know, after school activities and this and that. Like, of course, like everybody knew me for like this art, this drawing I had, like, as a young person, I had like a huge portfolio with all these beautiful, these beautiful sketches and. I would take like household material and I would make anything. I've made a car out of um, just all kinds of different boxes and cardboard and stuff. And it was like, literally like you sitting here and it's like, you know, the whole front of the car, the engine, you can actually open the engine. And it was like, you know, the, 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 the sugar cones come with that, um, <laughs> that styrofoam thing. So like, that was like the engine. And like, oh I just God. always had all these different pieces. So like my life was like my time. So like one of the keys like, really being, perp- like finding your purpose and finding something that you're skilled at so that you sharpen that and hone in on that. And that's like, the, that was the first step for me. Cause I was able to like, when people were doing what they were doing, I was able to go off into a corner and draw. Or, um, and even when it came to being like, accepted, so to speak, like not that I wanted to be accepted, but it was like, man, what what's wrong with Brian? Uh, Where's he at and what's he doing? You know, it's kind of like, oh, look at this. And they're like, oh snap, that's dope. So that's what you're doing. You know what I'm saying? You over here doing dope <laughs> stuff. So it wasn't like, you know, people who ended up, who ends up going one direction, maybe that they don't want to go in and maybe feel like they have no other choices because they don't have anything to do. You know, they don't have an actual purpose. So they're trying to find purpose. I would say like maybe the next step is i got older or even then because even then because like like i said i did a lot of after school programs that involved art and stuff right and so like uh finding like a community and a a tribe of people you know that that maybe isn't your family is definitely like that was like the next step for me because you know you that's another reason that we fall into circumstances that we don't necessarily need to be or want to be in because we're looking for companion not necessarily companionship but we're looking for that family you know we're looking for those people who accept us for being us and a lot of cases like you know if we talk about like if we go into street culture there are sides of street culture that makes sense to me and i understand why it exists Mm -hmm. and and when it's done correctly like there's a time where street culture was very um uh, it was something that was very necessary for some people, especially when you think about like West Coast gangs, how they developed, you know, there was a sense of, you know, this area versus that area. If we don't band together, then this area is going to overtake our area. This area is going to have all the resources and they're going to, they're going to freeze us out. This area is going to come in and take all, you know, take whatever we do have, you know, to ourselves, you know, and take it back to their side. So, you know, that's kind of where that comes from. And, you know, when people are usually the people that fall into that are outcasts from their family and outcasts from other situations they have nowhere to go so they have no choice but to end up in a gang so that they have like protection and and family and those type of things because your family doesn't necessarily have to be your blood so
0: mm. yeah i i agree with everything you said it just community i mean we're human beings so we're we're social creatures we need to be around other people to feel a sense of connection it it breathes life into us it really does and when you feel like you don't have a support system which there's so many people that don't feel like they have that they go searching for it and some people end up searching for it in places where it's a false perception of support you know they're being used but they don't have anywhere else to go or they don't feel like they do. So they, they go with it. And then there's other people who utilize whatever resources they can and, and make their own community. So when you were growing up, especially in the West end of Louisville, and for folks that don't live in, in Louisville, it's, it's kind of like the more segregated, unfortunately, part of town is predominantly black mm-hmm. and it's poor. It's, run down and, and Louisville has definitely neglected it um, for far too long, but there are, re- were there, I mean, I know that there are resources kind of popping up now, like it's definitely going in, on a path where it's improving, but when you were younger, what were some of the resources that you were able to utilize? Did you have community centers or like, how
1: did you? Cause there is a kind of like a misconception of like, maybe that is, the lack of financials that maybe lead to a lot of stuff but like my family was not broke <laughs> neither side was broke neither side was poor uh especially spe- my father's like my my grandfather owned a club we owned the cleaners yes. we had a um a dry a dry cleaners we had a um line service uh so there was a lot so actually my family did a lot of stuff like my family was well known outside of the the street side, there was the community side. My family was well known on both ends. And sometimes that does go hand in hand.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: um, so like everybody knew who we were. So it was never like, if you know, it was like a lot of times like, oh, you were Liggins? Oh, let's, let me take care of you, you know what I'm saying? Like, cause I know your uncles and I know your daddy and I know, and I know, you know, I know your grandfather and all of that. So one thing that was really pivotal though, was like at the, down the street from the the cleaners, there was a church that would have this summer program called, uh, I can't even remember the name of it at now, but I was called, well, I, I know the name of the place where it was held was called the Baptist Fellowship Center. And I would, that name would, I'll never forget the Baptist Fellowship Center because we met so many people there, like in the midst of, like you would never know this program was happening unless you knew this program was happening. It was a really neat program because it was like religious. It was kind of like grounded in religion it was like really Christian based, but it was like a summer program and they had people come in and they had a team of people come in every week. It was a different team of people. But at the time, time you know, when you're younger, time seems to move very different. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we, even though we only had like a week with these people, it seemed like so much like it was so like it was way more time than that, because I remember there was this one like leader chick named, um, Misha, and she put a, she made such an impact on me and my cousin that we like cried. We were like in tears when she had to leave and they were bringing in a new group. We were just like, we we, we had fell in love with her. She was like (sighs) a big sister. You know, we, we were attached to her hip the whole time she was there. And, she ended up, when she left, yeah, we like crashed. She like walked with us. Like, you know, and it was like, it's, it's like, you know, like we talk, We talked about the West End being predominantly Black. And we're talking about 1500 Katapa is the address of, um, the cleaners, so you know that's a very black area, and like I'm talking about, Misha was like this little white, girl, you know what I'm saying? This little white girl, she was <laughs> walking with these two black boys down the street to take us back to the cleaners because we did. She had to walk us home that day, the last day mm-hmm. she was there, because that was like the last few minutes we were gonna get with her, you know. So, mm. but th- those, those, like those type of experiences, the youth centers, the uh, especially for me, the art. You know, there's a lot of art programs uh, that you don't even see nowadays, you know, because of the way that kind of like digital art and the way that uh, like YouTube and, you know, everything has kind of changed the landscape of that back then, you know, you learn things the analog way first you know digital was something you might have gotten into but a lot of more artists were analog and and fine artists you know i did everything from pastels to ink to um different type you know different different painting styles on canvas on paper um i did i've done it all you know until until 2001 was where i like went uh super digital so that was one thing that did help out i had a lot of um resources because of a who my family was and the 90s were a decent time period like it wasn't like you know now where it's all like recession and covid and you know people not want you know people not working and then there's no jobs and then you know all these different stuff that we're dealing with today it was just there was just none of that you know it's, it's it's for someone my age at the time you know I wouldn't have I wouldn't have known about it you know <laughs>
0: I relate to you too, where I utilized a lot of those resources because I growing up had, I mean, I have ADHD, so I was kind of like all over the place. And for me, it was kind of hard to find like a purpose, find something, but having options and being able to tap into them and figure out what you're drawn to and what you love. And for you, it was art and utilizing within your community, the resources that you had and the programs and learning from other people and expanding your horizons shifting your perspective it's like that's so important when we're young for everybody to have the options to have the resources the programs so that we can see whatever bubble we're in no matter where we are where we live that there's more out there so that we can like recognize like hey like I don't have to stay where I'm at, wherever that is. I can go any which way I choose because I have it within me. And I, and I'm, you know, but it's just, it's tough. And I feel like now it's really hard. And I feel really bad for the kids that are growing up now, because like you said, we didn't have a digital world that we grew up in. It evolved over time. We had to utilize our creativity from a young age if we wanted to. And draw and and it was like raw materials it was a hands-on everything was hands-on it wasn't nothing was digital and now it has completely become digital I feel like the connection people like are even the way that we connect with others has drastically changed Mm -hmm. and you know like you said the the arts the programs that allow kids and adolescents and young adults and adults to get involved in whatever type of creative program or creative thing that they want to, it it's lacking. And it's really sad to see like schools shutting those down and lack of funding. And I know that's not like that everywhere. I don't want to get super negative, but your story proves just how important that is. Yep. And even mine does too, because growing up again, like it was, I was in a totally different environment, but mentally I was trapped, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. And so it was like, I ca- tried to find a purpose and i didn't know what that was so i would write and i would draw and i would like you have to let that stuff out mm-hmm. and you have to, like you said earlier in this conversation finding a purpose is so important because it gives you a sense of folk like you you're able to focus and mm-hmm. you know it, it keep
1: you grounded
0: absolutely
1: mm-hmm. and it goes deeper than that like mm-hmm. Than, than the fact that I had art programs and stuff to go into. Cause later, like my community really came through for me. So like, mm-hmm. you know, this is why I would never give up on the West End. Like people are like, don't go there. No, not that you shouldn't go there. It's just that you should learn how to navigate for sure. There are good people there. And there's a lot of st- like, I mean, I, would, I definitely wouldn't be where I'm at without West Louisville. There's something that they call towering moments. Right. And a towering moment is like a life changing event. You will never be the same after this happens. Rather be like losing someone, some type of tragedy happens. One thing that I really enjoyed doing was uh, riding bikes. <laughs> it was not really enjoyed was riding my bike. The t- but the towering moment came when like things were just shit was just hitting the fan. Like once we hit, I want to say after like. I can't remember what year it was I know when I was in like the fifth grade, my parents separated. And that was like a culture shock for me to see my parents separated my mother to date other people, my father mm-hmm. dating other people. And then that became our lifestyle was to now have a separate home for both of them. Our, you know Not seeing our father as much because we stayed with our mother. But then it got to the point to where my mother hit a hard time financially and us being kids, there's nothing we could do about it. We just had to follow, you know, follow suit. So there was a time where things got really rough for us and we ended up kind of traveling around. One thing that I can say, and this is even before this happened, I have lived everywhere in town that helped as well. I have lived in the South side, the East side, even though I, I spent most of my life on the West side, we lived there maybe, 10 to 15 years of my life, we lived in the West End, but there's times where we lived all over. So that was another part of why I was able to like, maybe not get so stuck in the West End mentality. But that being said, when we did a lot more moving when they separated and my mother was kind of like doing, trying to uh, pay all the bills and stuff on her own. And not that she didn't have a great career, she was in medical, but a single parent it's rough for a single parent no matter what your career is right so like you know just it became where it was just hard to make ends meet she you know maybe had a a a partner who wasn't as successful as she was and that type of stuff so we ended up homeless at one point we were living out of a van i remember getting dropped off at the bus stop for school and telling my mother to drop me off around the corner so people didn't see that I was getting out of a van that had a mattress in it. It had a whole bunch of clothes and shit in it. You know what I'm saying? Because this is where we technically kind of live, right? You know, like just going through all these crazy things and then like not even living, even after that, living with my grandmother. This is where like, again, finding your tribe, I got really deep into the to religion and I was like really deep in the Christian church and my family was really, was, was a religious family. Like my mother and my father I think met because of school and church. My family actually built the church with their hands that we went to and stuff like that. It was on the corner of like the street that we like the house that I lived on that most people know that I lived on in the West End on 39th Kentucky on 39th and Greenwood There's a church on the corner. My family built that church. You know I got into that church really really deep and then the, the youth minister at the time I mean he just became such an influence to me, but it took the towering moment. Even though I said all this tragic stuff that just happened, it wasn't the towering moment. The towering moment came when I had a bike wreck. Okay. I had to have this soft tail 21 speed mongoose bike. And my father <laughs> bought this bike for me. Like I just, it was like having a Mercedes <laughs> G-Wagon. At For me at that age, it was like having a G-Wagon. I was just like, can't nobody say nothing to me with this bike, right? <laughs> Love but this that. bike ended up being a very, it didn't, it didn't love me back, let's just say that. So one day, I mean, I used to ride this bike all over West Louisville, like there was no distance that I wouldn't travel on this bike. And one day I was going to, my church had like a, a daycare center on Bank Street and I was driving, I had went there and I was talking to some family and somebody had given me a car something. Like we was like maybe going to the church. I, I know I was traveling somewhere else from there. and. I was just doing what I normally do. Now, I was someone who used to ride with standing on the handlebars. I used to like lean back on the seat and put my feet up on the handlebars. I used to do all this crazy, like (laughs) ridiculous stuff that I'd never like once fallen. But one day I was just riding normal. I was leaving the daycare and I was just riding my bike normally like I would, but I was going, you know, like I said, this was a 21 speed. This was a, a a pretty decent bike. So I was like going full speed. And all I know is like, I can't tell you what happened. I can't, I can't, to this day, I don't know what happened, what led to the incident, but all I know is I was riding. And luckily for me, my grandfather was leaving the church's deck at the same time because I actually moved to the side. I was in the street. I moved to the side so that he can drive past me. And all I know is that I was on the ground next. Uh, So literally like I went forward over the handlebars so I scorpioned and hit the concrete face first Oof. and then the bike came over top of me and the back tire hit the ground and it bent the frame. So I had holes in my face. I had gravel all in my teeth and gums. Mm. They had to do a lot of surgery so like now i'm I'm missing teeth like I miss I'm missing a tooth here, I'm missing two teeth here. You know, they tried to save as many teeth as they could. Some of them they had to repair. I even forgot, like one of my teeth up here at the top is not even real. And I, I fucking forgot, like, until I went to like the dentist and they showed me an x-ray and I was like, oh snap. <laughs> oh yeah. So they was like, your mouth will maybe never be the same. Like you literally have trauma in your gums, in the nerves, inside of your teeth. The moment I was getting surgery and they didn't tell me this until weeks later, because they didn't want to upset me while I was going through everything I was going through. But I found out after the fact that my grandfather died the same time, not the grandfather on my mother's side that was there when I had the wreck, but my on my father's side, he wow. died in the hospital. So we were in the hospital at the same time. He was fighting for his life. I was getting surgery and, you know, I don't know what might've happened while we were both like on the table, I blacked out or anything because I mean, I just know that after that moment, I was a different person. I had way more purpose. This happened somewhere between my seventh grade and eighth grade year. Cause I remember coming back to school my eighth grade year and this scar under my nose was a lot thicker cause it was brand new. So like from the, everything happening in this wreck was like still was apparent. I still had like where my skin hadn't come back on certain place, like the skin tone hadn't come back in certain places, so the scratches even was still on my face. My eighth grade year, you know, people kind of looking at me like, damn, what happened to you over the summer? You know what I'm saying? Like, there's a TV show called, what's it called? It's called Winning Time. It's about the Lakers dynasty. And it's crazy because the coach who was coaching the Lakers at that time, he had a bike wreck very similar to me. And in, in the movie, it's the only thing that I have as far as an explanation. Something popped on his back wheel, You know granted this is like scripted but something like popped on his braking system or something he hit his brakes and it caused his bike to flip he had to have surgery his brain swelled did die they brought him back so when i seen this recently here we are all these years later because this was back in like 2002. all these years later i'm just now seeing this and up until this point i have never seen anything like this before other than i can't explain what happened in my situation so this is the only explanation I have. Cause now I see how bad it actually could have been? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, it sounds bad. I had so much, I had to get so much surgery and I still, still to this day, I still have effects. Like my lip is numb right here. Like I have no feeling in my lip here and all kinds of stuff like that. But it's like, I could have had a swollen brain and maybe not been alive at all. Maybe not have been able to use my hands and create the art and stuff that I that I do create.
0: You mentioned that you had this accident and it could have derailed you Mm -hmm. mentally. Now I'm having to heal and and now I, you know, I'm hurt and I'm injured and I don't know, you could have just let it kind of take you down Mm -hmm. and you didn't let it get to you and look how far you've come. And also everything else that you've been through, like the the people that you've had to overcome, honestly, like the situations that you've had to overcome and every single situation you've been presented, you've chosen yourself. Mm -hmm. And that's really hard for people to do, to recognize, you know, I'm this is not for me. I know who I am. I know what I'm capable of. I know what I love. I have these passions. I'm talented. I have these gifts. I want to use them. And you literally just stayed that path and now here you are. And it's, it's pretty, pretty amazing. Cause I, I like that you brought up the the movie that you saw and how it could have gone a completely different way. Mm-hmm. And you could have been way more, you know, seriously injured than you, than you ended up being. And, you know, it's like you were given a, like this chance and you took advantage of it and, you should be really proud of yourself because there are a lot of people that they have a second chance and they don't take advantage of it. Mm-hmm. They don't see it the way that you saw it as an opportunity to keep mm-hmm. going and to invest in yourself through your community, through your resources. And it also shows in how important having people believe in you is because mm-hmm. a lot of people don't have someone that they can rely on that, that sees them for what they are and sees how talented they are before y- you may even recognize it. And they, they invest in you and they help you, you know, it's like, we can't do everything on our own. We have to have people that support us along the way,
1: period. I never really even thought about it like that way, like that, It that it just was a lot of, a lot of key moments, the key, like, and just the whole growth of the whole growth of everything. I mean, it was just, in the midst of it, it's just happening. It's just life. You know, when you get past it all, you can look back and say, man, I'm really freaking grateful for a lot of stuff. Even the stuff that seemed like it was terrible.
0: When you're in a situation like that, or when you're stuck in a mental place that you just feel like you can't get out of, if you know yourself to the best of your ability or you're actively every single day working on getting to know yourself and how your mind works, You will understand, like, you will overcome that because you have the capability. If you don't trust yourself, if you don't believe in yourself, it's less likely that you'll come out of certain situations stronger, wiser, and better for it. You know, because we all go through some dark shit. We all go through some really rough times, some worse than others. But people have overcome those things. It's like, how did they do it? Well, they trusted and they believed in themselves and they kept going. This conversation is so amazing in m- multiple different ways, but especially in recognizing that there are options. Mm-hmm. We have options. You know, you just have to ask and look for them and yeah, Be open. <laughs> Be open. Be mm-hmm. open-minded. Be open-minded is key when it comes to relationships, when it comes to your environments and your way of living, when it comes to religion, when it comes to just you as a human being, being open to learning more, being open to other perspectives, being open to to everything. Well, thank you so much for coming on and getting very vulnerable and sharing some really personal things about your life with myself and the audience and I'm really glad that you came on and chatted with me and shared your story. It's much I appreciate appreciated. You having
1: me, this was um, this was dope. This was real dope. Like I've never. This is the first time I've ever shared all of these different layers like this. So um, it's this was a new experience for me, and I I enjoyed it. I, I think it's I think it's going to help some people out there who are, who may be in the same position, you know, and to help them just keep going, you know.
0: Yeah, because when we share our stories, when we share our most vulnerable moments, people can then tap into themselves and be like, oh, shit, like I've been in a similar situation or I've had a similar mindset or I've been feeling low like that as well. And seeing that you've overcome things and how you've overcome them will help inspire someone else to do the same. You know, it's like a domino effect, like we just have to tell our truth and relate to one another and get back on that real raw organic way of connecting with people instead of the digital age which can still be great I mean we can just type everything out on there you know and share it which is pretty amazing but it's different when you speak it Mm and when people can hear it and hear the emotions behind your voice and you know so righteous yeah I know you're not super active on Instagram, but I think you do have an account. You have a Facebook and a website. You want to share that
1: with everybody? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Of course, bluebeakbranding.com. Right now, I'm primarily on Facebook, but I have accounts on LinkedIn. You can find me on Brian Liggins on LinkedIn. You can find me at Brian Liggins on Instagram. You can find me at Brian Liggins on Facebook. You can find Blue Beak on Facebook. You can find Blue Beak on Instagram and BlueBeak on LinkedIn. And even though Instagram and the LinkedIn stuff isn't, completely active right now it will be yeah so there's a lot of ways to get in touch with me of course the presley post is is where my downtown office is so that's another place you can find me on fridays especially the first friday of every month i do free coaching at the presley post so if you are if you want brand coaching you can get a free 30 minute session with me at the Presley Post on the first Friday of each month. It's called Post hey. Up Fridays, which every Friday is Post Up Friday. You uh where there is you can work at the co-working space for free, but that first Friday you can you can get free coaching.
0: Hell yeah. Dude, I didn't know that. I knew that Jasmine was doing Post Up Fridays, but I didn't know you were doing your little thing with the free 30 minute consult. Y'all, if you haven't consulted or if you're a brand and you need some advice you need to go to brian because you're truly the expert and you've helped me so much with some of my endeavors and you're just killing it right now and you're doing it all by yourself which that could be a whole other topic of conversation (laughs) uh, and how you're faring with that but you Mm -hmm. seem to be doing just fine um taking it one day at a time learning as you go so thank you so much again for coming on and sharing your story with everyone i Really appreciate it.
1: No problem. We have to do it again sometime.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. Well, thank you. And thank you to the listeners for tuning in to another episode of the Wondering Mind podcast. Until next time, maintain your brain and keep on wondering.